0: All right, welcome into this fresh edition of the Hoist the Colors podcast. I'm Stephen Igo, joined by Macy O'Donnell, former ECU football player and now an analyst covering the football team with Hoist the Colors. Also, maybe some new ventures on the horizon we'll get into maybe oh, yeah. at a later date. Uh, Macy, we, we took we kind of took last week off, but, um, you know, that we're, we're that much closer to, to camp now. The report date is tomorrow. And all of a sudden, man, we're almost done with these position previews, and it's almost time for uh, for some football, man. It's preseason camp time.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely went by quick this off season for sure. Usually it goes by kind of slow, you know, in um, summer workouts and just kind of grinding those days out. But it definitely came around quick. But I'm ready for some college football for sure. It's crazy, man. And, I, you know, the teams that start week zero,
0: they've already started practicing, you know, because they got games yeah. like Notre Dame and Navy. They play week mm-hmm. zero and – In Dublin, Ireland, they've been practicing about a week now, Um, so uh, today we're doing the linebacker preview. We'll get into that here shortly. A lot of new faces to talk about, and also some guys who have been waiting their moment who have been in the program, specifically Taylor Jackson, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, but we are live on Facebook, YouTube. Twitter is is it Twitter or X now Macy like what is going on here man
1: I have no idea I was uh, I was having trouble finding the app like for a few days I was like what where's Twitter I was trying to find it on my phone and I forgot they changed you know the symbol and everything but getting it figured out it's still Twitter though are you using threads at all Um, I was but I think that kind of dies down pretty quick it's basically another Twitter so I don't need two of them I already got one yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll roll with Twitter. We we created a threads for you know for HTC, but
0: yeah, I think I tweeted something the first day all this was going down. I mean, I mean whether it's called X Twitter, whatever, I'm still going to call it Twitter probably for sure. Uh, but as long as it's formatted the same and we can get our coverage out there, we'll continue <laughs> to use it. Who knows how long that'll be possible? But anyway, so we've we've looked at a lot of this team already, Maceo. We're going to talk linebackers here in a second. By the way, if you got comments, questions, drop them. We already got a couple here uh, from Mr. Juan's world. We'll get to it in a little bit, but preseason camp starting on Wednesday. As far as practice, now report date is tomorrow. Maceo, you have been in this a long time. You had several report dates. You went through. Take us through what you know. What happens on report date? Is it just getting to know your, you know, your teammates reporting, getting your early start in your playbook? What goes into that? And then the early days of camp. W- what is this process like for an ECU football player?
1: Yeah, um, essentially, it's all of that, you know, report date, you just kind of get everyone's getting back into town, um, do a little bit of conditioning and just kind of get those pre camp meetings, just going over how, you know, the coaches want everything to run for these next few weeks and just really getting to know everyone and getting the installs for practice on Wednesday. So it's a lot of just preparation and just getting to know everybody and everyone getting in that groove and the mindset of what camp takes. So camp, the early days, like I,
0: I look at it from a reporter standpoint, Like the early days are fresh. They're fun. Yeah. You know, you're excited. Like the first few days you're out there and then like, I don't know, you kind of hit this low, like a weekend. <laughs> what was it yeah. like as a player? Like, do y'all just ever get tired of it? Like, it's got to be a grind after a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a grind, you know, it's really not even the practices and everything because, you know, that's what we love to do. We love to go out there and play football and just compete with our teammates. Um, But it's definitely a grind, you know, waking up in the morning, have breakfast, you know, meetings, special teams, teams, position meetings, and then going out to practice. And how we've usually done it after we get a little break, have lunch for a couple hours, come back, watch the practice film, um, and then we'll have a walkthrough usually pretty much every day later in the day and have some more meetings. So uh, it's really a grind. And a lot of guys, they'll bring their, you know, their sleeping mats and everything into the locker room and just kind of hang out there. But, you know, it's definitely a grind, but it's also fun. And just, you get to be around your teammates for, you know, a few weeks straight with no distractions and you really get to hone in on everything and just prepare for the season. So an average day, is it starting at like
0: what, six, 7. AM going to late at night
1: yeah probably around 6 30 you're walking in the building getting some treatment and getting breakfast and then we'll probably leave around 8 30 um nine o'clock traditionally that's how we've done it um so about you know after that walkthrough everyone's kind of getting tired and hot and ready to go to sleep so once you get home you're really just falling right to sleep and doing the same thing the next day it is a grind i always see y'all
0: you know the athletes as y'all get closer share like the instagram post of what the schedule is like you know because basically at that point your your life is over for about a month. Yeah. It's just it's yeah. just camp. Like I guess y'all get Sundays off from practicing, but y'all probably still have to do some, you know, film yeah. recovery work. So it's just a uh, it's a month, basically a month, just of, of workouts and training, and getting ready for the season. Because that's how you have to do it, man. Everybody else is doing it, so if you don't do it, you know you're going to be left behind. Come week one, especially this year, going to Michigan. So at least you do yeah. have some motivation, Macy, if you're if you're yeah. on the
1: team. Yeah, for sure. Those Sundays are the best days. We all look forward to Sundays. You get to go to church and uh, get the word. So you definitely need it going into that next week because usually that second week is where you hit that wall and a lot more hitting and a lot more physicality. So uh, you definitely need that church service on Sunday for sure. No doubt. No doubt. A little prayer never hurts for sure. (laughs) Uh, uh, All right. Let's get into
0: this uh, position preview again. We'll have Camp coverage starting on Wednesday. We're going to talk to Mike Houston on several days. Not every day, but we'll talk to Mike Houston after most practices. As camp goes along, we'll see if we can get Maceo out there in the coming weeks to uh, to reunite with, with his former teammates. And oh, yeah. Who knows? Maybe he'll, he'll put the pads on one more time and catch, <laughs> some, catch some passes. Um, all right, we're talking linebackers today. We've got a good question from Mr. Juan's World. He says, can we get a refresher? On the position rooms in our four-two-five defense, we have a hybrid defensive end outside linebacker. Is that the pirate and a hybrid linebacker safety? He says is that the bandit. Which room are each of those hybrid positions in? So, to, from my understanding, so you got the rush, which is the stand-up outside linebacker position that is in the uh, basically the defensive outside linebacker room, which is coached by right. Tim Dows. We talked about that last week, Mayo, That's the position Jeremy Lewis, Jack Powers, those guys play. And then the hybrid safety is the, you know, has historically been the Sam linebacker position, which is like where Gerard Stringer has played. Right. Um, Jira played it previously. I know he played more safety last year. So in the past, this has been a, a, a room under Trip Weaver, um, who is the safeties coach. I want to say this offseason, Maceo, and, and you may or may not know. I've seen a lot of these guys working with Blake Carroll or like going to, you know, the position meeting dinners with Blake Carroll. So they may have shifted that to more of a linebacker role. Um, And I've heard they're going to introduce more of a nickel position in addition to, you know, kind of this Sam. So I think they're going to become even more multiple. I don't know if you've heard anything about that, but just when when you were with the team, what did you notice kind of about that, that safety hybrid role?
1: Yeah, I mean, you pretty much can put a lot of different guys there. And like you said, it's definitely a, a hybrid role for sure because, you know, Gerard Stringer could really do both. He was more that coming down and he'll definitely smack you in the face. And Jairo Wilson, he he could do both as well, even though he primarily played safety last year. Um, but, yeah, I think the I think the Nichols and Sams, they're usually with Coach Weaver too. Um, but this year, I don't, I'm not really sure what they're going to do. But that's the good thing about, you know, that defense. And Coach Harrell, they mix it up a lot. Um, you really never know what you're going to get on any given week. And, you know, a lot of different blitzes from safeties, a lot of different blitzes from the nickels. Um, So it's very different. And you really can't just, you know, kind of just sit there and expect what they're going to do because you really never know. And that's why they
0: recruit so many safety-type
1: yeah. bodies is so they can
0: just, like, shift those guys around. Like Even, like, Tegan Wilk can come down and play the Sam. Yeah. You know, so you, you got guys you can kind of mix and match depending on if you get some injuries. You know, Jordan Huff, who's coming back from injury, You know, he's a guy who could slot in the Sam or nickel this year. And, and, you know, I don't I don't really know how they're going to do it, but I've just heard they're going to try and get a little more pass defense friendly and kind of introduce more of a true nickel back in certain situations. And I think you could see a guy like Huff there and, you know, outside of your Sam linebackers who we'll talk to here, who we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, So today we are talking about the Sam's. We're talking about the mic and the wheel, which is our, our, the traditional inside linebackers in Blake Harrell's scheme. And let's get into it, Maceo. Well, first off, let's talk about, uh, before we talk about this year's personnel, some significant losses from last year. Guys, you know well, Xavier Smith, who played at ECU, I believe, five years. Yeah. Uh, Miles Berry, longtime ECU player as well. Uh, Chance Bates was a transfer, but he was a, a quality player in his lone year at ECU. So, So some significant guys to replace for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. All those guys were fifth year guys. So we came in the same year, um, specifically Miles Berry and and X and even Gerard Stringer. We all came in the same year, even though Gerard missed a year because of Achilles. Um, But you're definitely losing a lot of production there, too. Um, Big leaders on the team, real physical guys. Um, You know, they're really the guys when when they talk, everyone listens. Um, So it's definitely some big shoes to fill. But I definitely think we have the guys in the room like Taylor Jackson who are going to fill those shoes and kind of make a name for himself.
0: That's the interesting thing. I'm looking over this, and, you know, we went over the projected depth chart a little bit prior to the show, Maceo. And basically, you know, with the transfers added and the guys coming back, you've got a senior and a junior or two juniors as the top guys at each of these three positions. So you're inexperienced, but you're still pretty old. Mm -hmm. And to me, that starts with Taylor Jackson, because he's a junior. You know, the casual fan probably doesn't know his name. Uh, But this is a guy who has been since his true freshman year involved in defense, involved in special
1: teams. This is his time. This has got to be Taylor Jackson's year, right? Yeah, definitely. Taylor, like you said, Taylor, I mean, if you're not really paying attention too well in the details, you wouldn't recognize that he's really out there someplace. But um, Taylor definitely has played on defense since he was a true freshman and got some time there. And, you know, it can be kind of hard when you're playing behind, you know, a few old heads and then you get another old head transfer who was kind of a plug and play guy who, you know, you knew what you were going to get from him. Um, but this is definitely his time now. And I think he got the chance to learn from all those guys these past few years. And, you know, he's really going to step up this year. And I don't know if if any fans are watching, um, watch the bowl game from this past year. He made a lot of big plays against Coastal in our bowl game because I, I believe X didn't play in that game. Um, so really, he really had an opportunity there. And I think that was just a little snippet of what he's going to do this season.
0: Yeah, and I think he brings uh, some explosiveness, some good speed to the linebacker position. Cool. I, I thought – in the spring, Macy, I don't know when the last time you, you saw Taylor in person was, but I thought he looked noticeably bigger, man. He is—he yeah. has is, he is grown a lot since he first got here. Yeah, definitely.
1: All those guys are. You got to be big to play
0: in those trenches, man. That You got to be. Yeah, especially with the way Mike Houston wants his defense to be playing, uh, downhill, physical. So Taylor Jackson, a junior, I expect him to play. The other guy who was kind of running with the first team at the opposite linebacker uh, spot in the spring was Michael Edwards the third. He came in as a georgia southern transfer last year and kind of played sam and some linebacker played a ton of special teams i think he played like 280 special team snaps mm-hmm. and graded out really well according to pro football focus so this is another guy maceo who took a big leap this off season it seems like what did you see from mike last year in his first year on campus and what do you expect from him this year
1: yeah, I think Mike is one of those hybrid guys, too, where he could still play that Sam nickel position and, and even play some of the Mike and Will as well. Um, he's an upperclassman as well, so he's definitely has some experience and kind of knows how everything goes. And I think, you know, just like Taylor, it was a good learning experience for him last year, too, just being uh, behind some guys like Mosberry and Xavier Smith who can kind of show them the ropes. and really teach them the defense and how coach harrell um wants to run it so i definitely think mike will have a big impact this year and he made a lot of plays last year too on special teams but also on defense so i think we'll just see more of that yeah really excited
0: about both those guys and i think they you know maybe even add a little they may not be as big as x were and as chance bates were but they may add a little bit more versatility you know pass coverage which we know ecu struggled at at times last year so we'll see how that Transpires going forward. All right. Two big transfers they brought in at the inside linebacker position. BJ Davis from South Carolina State. He was a HBCU All American last year. He was an all Miac first team selection. Had ninety-four tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss. The biggest thing that stands out to me, maceo BJ Davis had five picks and seven pass breakups as an inside linebacker. Uh six two. I've heard he's up to two twenty, 220, uh two twenty-five right now. So Really long arms. And yeah. I think what you're seeing here is this guy and they also added Taekwon King. Might as well introduce him as well. Uh as I pull up his bio. He he transferred in from North Carolina A&T. A&T. He's another big kid, six three, two fifteen. Uh all big South conference selection, ninety-four tackles. So again, both these guys have played a lot at the FCS level. There is a big jump to FBS, but I think the biggest thing is here is you're adding more length. I think this was done by design because of the past coverage struggles last year. Right. Um, have you heard anything about BJ or Taijuan, and just kind of what do you what do you think they'll bring to the table?
1: You know, I, I think those guys. If you had to compare to anybody, I think um, you know, kind of what they what we expect them to do is kind of similar. Chance baits where they're guys who are experienced and can kind of plug and play. Uh, but like you said about BJ, they they seem like maybe a little bit more athletic long arms where they can kind of get in those passing lanes as well. Um, so I definitely think that's a big thing for our defense, especially, you know, since we struggled at times, like you said, um, past defense. So I think those guys will be perfect fits really and can kind of help, you know, some of the younger guys like Taylor, even though Taylor's been in the program longer, it's still an experienced thing and that does matter at some points. Um, but definitely guys, you can just plug in and, and play immediately. And I like too that, you know, obviously I think
0: you ideally want guys who have been in your program to step up and win the job like Taylor. Yeah. But you know, they, they did lose some linebackers in past years who are depth pieces. So you gotta bring in more quality depth to kind of create that competition to make everybody better. I feel like these moves do that. Uh, and you know, they showed last year they're willing to rotate three, four guys at linebackers. Yeah. So I think all these guys can play. Um and, and I think it'll be interesting to see how they trans you know, transition to the FPS level. It's a much quicker game. But I do like BJ Davis. He can really play in space. He's long. I think he'll definitely find a role on this team. All right, a couple more inside linebackers, then we'll jump to the Sam. Uh, Zakai Barker is a guy that I love coming out of high school. Yeah. Undersized Maceo, but like just, I think he led Georgia, the state, in tackles uh, as a freshman and sophomore, sophomore and junior yeah. in high school, which says a lot. And unfortunately, you know, injured his knee. Missed all last year, but in the spring game, he led the team with 10 tackles in his first spring game. So um, what what do you know about Zakai? Seems very, you know, team-oriented. Seems like a really good dude. I know he's really smart. What, What do you know about Zakai coming back from injury?
1: Yeah, first off, Zakai, he's a great dude. Um, I got to know him a lot more just being in the locker room and um, just kind of meeting him just through his ACL struggles and just getting treatment and going through that. And he probably had one of the best attitudes um, for somebody who's going through a serious injury like that. Um, but like you said, he had a great high school background in the state of Georgia, and I think he's going to be a good guy. I mean, he, he is, like you said, short, a little bit shorter, still a strong guy, but a guy that will come down and hit you and um, is very coachable and can learn a lot. He kind of reminds me of, uh,
0: you know, Aaron Ramsor just in terms of, like, undersized but going to go out and make a ton of tackles. Now I think he's yeah. got even higher upside. But I think, like, to me, like, when you when ECU plays Navy, I just feel like Zakai's going to go in there and just rack up, like, 20 tackles. Right. He just seems <laughs> like that type of dude. Um, Jamari Young's another young linebacker came in as a walk-on, but I, I've heard really good things. This dude, I mean, he looks like he's built, like, a
1: tank. Um, yeah.
0: I would not want to run into him in the open field. Do you you know much about Jamari?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same thing. He's a younger guy, just needs some experience, just needs that, you know, old head kind of guidance for him. Uh, Like you said, a walk-on. So I know he has a chip on his shoulders, like reminds me of myself um, in that manner, just having a chip on your shoulder and knowing you got to go get and earn everything that you want. Um, So I think, you know, just walk-ons in general kind of have a – Somewhat of a different mindset um, of just got to be able to go get it and be able to do your job and be coachable. But I think for him, it just starts off getting some special teams reps and showing the coaches that you know he's committed to the team and it will willing is willing to do whatever he has to do to get on the field.
0: He will be a red shirt freshman this year as yeah. will Zakai. So both those guys have four years of eligibility remaining. Uh, again, two actually three incoming freshmen in the linebackers. We're going to count Greg Turner as a Sam, which we'll talk about here. He's out of Atlanta. But uh, D.J. Johnson, whose uncle is Derek Johnson, who played for the Kansas City Chiefs, was a great linebacker there. His dad also played in the NFL. He's a young guy to Georgia. I expect to play uh, as his career moves forward. Julian Davis, another linebacker out of Georgia. Both those guys really talented, but they're freshmen, so you just don't know what to expect in their first semester of football, but those are a couple names to keep an eye on, as well as Brady Blaylock, who's a walk-on linebacker too. So, let's transition to the Sam. Again, we talked about Gerard Stringer. Man, he was so good last year. Uh, I mean, he was—he was. I still remember him flying around that bowl game, doing everything. Yeah. Defensively, so replacing him is is not going to be easy. But I do like the talent here. The two guys who ran here in the spring were North Carolina transfer Rah Dilworth, Dealworth, four-four speed was a big-time recruit out of high school. UNC could not really find a home for him. I feel like ECU has at this position. And the other guy was Kingston McKinstry, who has been in the program now, former uh, transfer from the JUCO ranks who struggled with injuries but had a healthy spring and looked good. So what do you expect from this position, Maceo, with uh, Ra Ra and Kingston?
1: Yeah I mean I think it's pretty much open for whoever kind of wants to take it and, and like you said we do sub a lot and have a lot of transitioning on our defense so I mean either of those guys could get a lot of playing time this season uh like you said Kingston has struggled with injuries for you know the past few seasons and you know he's a guy I still remember you know kind of one of the first practices going against him and he'll definitely come down and hit you right in the face um, which is something you need in that same position along with being able to cover and I think rah-rah speed kind of is something that we need in the secondary and someone that can just fly around the field and make some plays. How
0: difficult is it when you were playing running back in practice, Maceo? Like, when they bring the Sam blitzes, it, you know, it's coming from the second level of the defense. Is it, is it hard to identify? Is it hard to, like, pick up those blitzers? Because I feel like Ra with his speed, should be able to be pretty elite at that, you know, because he'll have the ability to make up closing ground quickly. And maybe get there from the second level that normally maybe that guy doesn't get home.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we do a good, good job of trying to protect the quarterback and kind of have a good scheme going. So most of the time you kind of knew if you were going to end up on one of those guys. But, you know, it's sometimes it can be a little bit easier because they they might try to run around you than just to run through you um, like a middle linebacker might would do. Um, but it's I mean it's definitely hard and Gerard was one of those really physical very very aggressive guys that would hit you in the face but could still try to run around you and make some plays Um, but I definitely think speed regardless of where it is on the field is definitely a necessity um, and something that you can be very versatile with. I
0: do feel like this group is going to have maybe more speed uh, at linebacker than maybe ECU Mm -hmm. in the past has had it's just you know, it almost feels like they've gotten more athletic, but maybe they're not as big, or at least they right. have kind of options there, Macy. So what do you think maybe about that dynamic? I think this look we we all know the run defense was very good last year. You don't want to take too much away from a strength. You still wanna be good versus the run. Right. But you know, to be at the team they wanna be defensively, you gotta be better versus the pass. You gotta have balance. So what do you think maybe do you feel like that played a role in kind of the philosophy this offseason as far as adding some of these guys, uh, you know, via the portal and also, you know, adding to the new room or new guys yeah. to the room?
1: Yeah, I definitely think so. And, you know, not to say we didn't have any speed before, but you can definitely see a change. In a few guys there that have a little bit more speed and maybe a little less power than we're used to having. Um, but like you say, you can't teach speed and you know, you can always use that whether it's on the offense and defensive end, you can always use speed. But definitely, I think that because of some of the struggles that we've had in the past defense that you want to, you know, kind of, you know, change that, especially. And we do have a lot of guys returning on the defensive line. So I think that's something that the coaches are probably expecting. We have another good season or a rush defense. But I definitely think something to improve is the pass defense. And I, I would say speed is definitely one thing to help that in length as well. No doubt, and we'll see if any of these guys
0: kind of get moved around as camp opens Wednesday. You know, always know just going out to practice, there's always a guy or two that's in a spot that maybe I didn't expect them to be in, so looking forward to seeing how that transpires. And and you can kind of maneuver these guys between, you know, Will linebacker to Sam to to boundary safety. You see a lot of movement there with the multiplicity of this defense, uh, Maceo. So guys can line up all over the place. You got certain yeah. personnel packages. And I, I just feel like as we go through this, and I I know I've, I've talked about the DBs at length this offseason just because there have been so many changes. I think this coaching staff is going to have as many or more options than they've ever had, like as far as, hey, all right, we need to play the run here. Let's go with these guys. Hey, we need to play the pass. I, I just like the versatility of kind of what this depth chart looks like. Again, the problem is, you just maybe don't have that FPS experience. But I think that the talent and depth is there. Just your thoughts on kind of that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I and I think, too, that the speed is is something that's very important and size is something that's very important as well. Um, you know, we're playing some of those teams traditionally. We've played the past couple of years like Houston and UCF and Cincinnati who are not in the conference but you're still bringing in teams like UTSA um, that will have that size up front and we'll have those people that you really need to stop the run and have very mobile quarterbacks as well. Um, but I think you can kind of, you know, kill two birds with one stone in a way, kind of have that speed to go run around and still have that speed to get around some bigger guys. Um, so I definitely think that it's probably good additions that we've got these guys like Rah Rah that came in from Carolina. Um, and we still have Taylor Jackson, who's kind of a smaller guy who's been in the program as well, who can kind of show the other guys that, you know, we we are a little bit of different players, but this is still how we want to play.
0: They'll find out how just what the plan is going to be, or uh, how it's going to work out, starting with that opener against Michigan, who they yeah. they will line up and come downhill right at you. Yes, unlike most teams on the schedule. All right, Robert has a question. He says, "Were there more times versus mobile quarterbacks that the D line was not stunning, but keeping pass slash rush lanes closed with more of a straight D line rush?" uh you know basically you weren't in on the defensive huddles but you know i feel like that is like you know pretty standard thing if you're worried about a guy escaping the pocket beating you with his legs you do have to stay you know keep that rush lane integrity Mm -hmm. um so i'm sure that's something they hit on and and so many quarterbacks now are mobile you have to find that balance you can't just go straight rush every time so i don't know how much you had to deal with that on offense
1: yeah, I mean, I just kind of always think when you think about a Russian quarterback, I always think about, you know, Charleston Southern a couple years ago and kind of how we played those guys. And yeah. um, he ended up transferring to NC State, that quarterback, and mainly because of what he could do on his feet. Um, but I mean, it's hard to guard run, running quarterbacks e- either way, really, in today's in today's age, because they're so fast and a lot of them can. Throw the ball as, as good as they can run as well. So, I mean, I think it's just about keeping them in the lanes and forcing them back to the linebackers in the middle of the field because, you know, regardless if it's a running quarterback or a running back or a receiver, if they get to the outside, you know, that's not good for anybody. So, I think the biggest thing is just forcing it back into where your help is. All right. There is your answer,
0: Robert. Appreciate the question. Again, if you got any more questions, get them in. We're about to wrap up here as we get through the linebackers. That was. That was it, Maceo, quick and easy. Yeah. Uh, because next up, next week, we got the DBs, long. and uh, it could be—you know—we <laughs> could really split it into corners and safeties and do two separate shows. But yeah. we'll just knock them all out at once. Yeah. We'll go to DBs, and we'll have like forty guys to talk about. Uh, yep. But it's all good. Um, all right. Before we let you get out of here, favorite ECU linebacker ever. Do you need me to go first, or do you do you have have a guy in mind?
1: Yeah, you can go first. You can go first.
0: All right. Uh, all right, so favorite EC linebacker. I, I don't know if I can pick just one, but Pernell Griffin in the '90s when I was a little kid, he wore 47. He had the neck, you know, the little neck pad thing that makes linebackers look so so beast in my opinion, and he was an absolute stud. Um, really like watching him play under in, in Steve Logan's time. Quentin Cotton, probably the most underrated EC linebacker ever. He was on the Skip Holtz teams. They started the year 3-0. and He blew out his knee at Tulane. That defense was never the same. He was a beast. Uh, Quentin Cotton, probably my favorite ECU linebacker of all time. And I'm trying to think more recently if anybody really jumps to mind. Um, you know, there have been some good ones. Like Nate Harvey, even though he was more of like an outside yeah. linebacker, DN, he was a stud yeah. that one year. Yeah. All right, Macy, you're up. No no pressure here. No pressure. <laughs> you might have to pick your friends, but let's let's hear it.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, I'll I'll go a throwback and I'll say some more recents. But I remember, you know, coming on visits kind of maybe like as a freshman or sophomore in high school. And I remember a guy, his name was Zeke Bigger. And this dude was just huge. And I thought his name was funny because I'm like, is this is his last name, you know, really bigger? Right. Um, But I always remember he had the neck pad and it kind of always stuck with me. Um, So that's kind of my older my older head. But, you know, current guys, I would just have to say, Um, guys that came in my class, Gerard Stringer, Mosberry, and Xavier Smith. um, Those guys are, you know, very close. I'm very close to those guys, and they always play with a lot of passion and energy, and, you know, they kind of inspired me trying to go out and hit some guys, you know, on special teams. Sometimes I had the chance, um, but, you know, I love those guys, and they brought a lot and did a lot for the program, and, you know, those guys are some guys that played as true freshmen as well, so they were really out in the field when, We were, you know, three and nine, you know, for a couple of seasons in 2018, 2019. And, you know, just seeing them mature and seeing them be leaders of the defense and just leaders of the team, especially Gerard Stringer coming back from a big Achilles injury. Um, So, you know, I have a lot of um, passion and love with those guys. And um, I still talk to them on a daily basis. No doubt, Gerard, uh, coming back from that, like that's probably, you know, the ACL is bad,
0: but uh, Achilles, people don't talk about enough how tough that is to come back from. And he came back better, you know, which yeah. is which says a lot. Uh, I still remember Xavier catching passes versus UConn as a yeah. freshman. So
1: <laughs> he should have scored. He should have scored. He a should have.
0: Hair. Yeah, but uh, that was fun times, man. He ended up playing the position he was meant to play later yeah. on. Uh, so yeah, I, no, I remember Gerard. I remember Miles playing as freshman, All those guys. Yeah, that, that was it was crazy times as true freshmen. So. Yeah. Uh, good, good class there. Zeke Baker, by the way, great name. I'm ashamed of myself for not remembering him off the top <laughs> of my head, just because he was probably he was in that interview vein where like he also, you know, he gave us great quotes. He could yeah. talk on the field, off the field. Great dude and perfect name. He also wore 44, which is a really cool linebacker number. So yeah. he had like the whole linebacker package going. So yeah, yeah he's dude. a good one for sure. Jay says, love watching Zeke play on kickoff coverage. Scott says Quentin Cotton was his favorite. Scott also says not a question, but just wanted to thank you and Maceo for breaking it down for us. Also to like, comment, and subscribe. Thanks, Scott. He helps us out on our baseball podcast. So good good episode, Maceo. We knocked it out in exactly 30 minutes, man. So this was short, sweet, to the point. I'm ready for camp now.
1: Yeah, I know, right? It's right around the corner. Literally got about 48 hours till they're going to be hitting somebody. So I know they're excited, and I'm excited, too. No doubt. I'm ready to roll. Well, Maceo, thanks as
0: always for the time, man. We'll be back sometime next week. We'll try to knock out the DBs and then we'll be done with the positional previews because I'm still not doing special teams. <laughs> Me neither. That's cool. <laughs> All right. That's Maceo Donald. I'm Steven Igo. This has been the Hoist the Colors podcast. We'll talk to you guys later this week. Again, we'll have camp coverage for you. Hoist Check it out starting on Wednesday morning. We'll have that for you. Uh, come then. This has been the Hoist the Colors podcast. We'll talk to you next time.